With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come All right, no time to talk. It's day 33. I've got writer, director, creator of Death House, the all-star upcoming who's who of horror movie in the early 2017 on this uh, on this day. So hang on and listen up to a very, very fun interview with Harrison Smith. Here it is. Okay, so today I am lucky, and I say this almost every week. Uh, one of the things I love about this show I do on Come Get Some is I can always say, the guest I have today, I'm very lucky to have because they're an awesome human being. Uh, this person is pretty much one of those people who uh, who go against the grain of what is known as um, the acceptable or the normal behavior of a celebrity or someone of a celebrity status. Uh, he is the a horror film maker, writer, director, producer, um, Harrison Smith. Welcome to the show, Harrison. Thank you very much. It's great to be on the show. I'm, I'm so happy you agreed to come on here because uh, I, I've heard you in other interviews. I friended you on Twitter about a year ago. Uh, you've been really good about staying in touch, and I and not not because I was, I was thinking I could take advantage of you. I just knew someday you were going to be on this show because that's the kind of guy you are. Um, well, I'm 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 happy to be. Good, good, good. Um, real exciting. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. What I do, this is come get some. So what I do is I get to the sum of my guests. Uh, so I'll, I'll be kind of taking us through kind of where you started, where you are, and where you're going. Of course, uh, the the movie of the hour is Death House. We'll get, we'll have a, most of it will be about Death House, but we'll get it going here. Um, you started your first interest in horror back when you were a child. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I mean, I started watching horror movies with my grandmother. Um, the movie The Field kind of chronicles that. Um, Cloris Leachman was in the film. She played my grandmother. Most people, I love when they go, oh, yeah, based on true events, that means it's bullshit. No, I, I can tell you, uh, it happened to me. <laughs> I wrote this story about the events that happened uh, on my grandparents' farm over a period of about two weeks. And um, so she would watch a lot of horror films. We're talking you know, the old creature double features and Dr. Shock and late night scary stuff. So by the time I was like eight years old, wow. I knew who Bella Lugosi was, I knew who, uh, of course, Karloff was. I, I knew all the names, Peter Laurie, Vincent Price, Peter Cushing. I knew all these guys. So um, it was a lot of fun. It was great escape. And I'm very grateful that she introduced me to the genre the way that she did. And I went from there, you know. So, um, yes, yeah, ever since... I would say I was a kid. This is what I uh, this is what I got involved with. So at some point, you decided you want to make these movies yourself. You want to uh, uh, make them your own. Come up with your own stories. Uh, what was your biggest inspiration for that? Well, my uncle bought me um, a Super 8 millimeter camera, 
silent film camera, but it was when I saw Jaws when I was eight years old that I knew I wanted to make movies. I mean, Jaws is the movie that made me want to make movies. It's that simple. And then about a year later, my uncle got me this Super 8 camera, and I started making movies in the neighborhood with my friends, and we're talking, shooting it on film, getting it developed with the local Ray and Derek, for people who remember what that store was. It was like a CBS. Yeah. And then, um, right, and then in addition to that, then cutting it with scissors and then slicing it together with tape. Wow. You remember the little Kodak booths? You used to go to those too? Uh-huh. Yeah. I do remember the code. Yeah, like photo hut and stuff like that. Yep, I remember all of it. We're getting old, Harrison. Uh, I am. I am definitely getting old. I was at a Chick-fil-A the other day. You know those teenage kids that come outside to take your order when it's real busy? And um, uh, the two kid yells over to the other kid, did you see that old 1980s cop car in the back parking lot? And I said, huh, 1980s cop car, what did it look like? said, black and white with one light on top. <laughs> I said, that's not 1980s, I man. It's, out of, it's something out of Adam 12, right? <laughs> right. So it's funny to see that perception of, of the youth and, and, and how uh, things are today as opposed to how we saw things in our time. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you, um, when you're writing these stories, do you ever scare yourself? Do you ever write these stories? I don't mean like, oh, my God, but like, what am I doing thinking of these horrible, terrible images in my head? Um, the answer is no. I mean, you know, the, the worst for me is when you're writing something that you have to do research. And then when you see something that was actually real, you know, when it was something that was actually real and, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, like it, it just bothers you to know that this really happened. Yeah. Uh, that, that's more disturbing than anything else when, when you find that kind of stuff. Um, but the actual writing process, no, no, I, I don't I mean, I don't know if Stephen King's ever scared himself, not that I would compare myself to Stephen King, but it's just simply, um, you know, it's the research I think that bothers me the most when I find that if you're working, like even with Death House and you started, I did a lot of research on the MK Ultra experiments and, you know, you, you find that man's inhumanity to man is, I mean, we always knew that, but I mean, when you, you start reading something that's a direct account of what you're writing, you're like, ugh. Sometimes right. you feel like you need a shower after you're done researching. Right. I mean, no, really, because when you're thinking about it yourself, I guess you're, you're thinking about how am I going to make this effect look good as opposed to really chopping somebody up or something. Um, so, so when you're doing this, um, you did the killing fields. No, I want to say... No, the killing fields. I wish I did. Did I say the killing fields? The fields. Yeah, the fields. yeah, I'm so sorry about that. You did the fields. And that was like the first movie. When I found out who you are, and I do, I am embarrassed to say I just found out who you are in the last couple of years. But when I found out who you are, I rushed to see the fields. And um, I got a feeling from the fields that um, I feel through all your movies. Um, and that is that... Even though a lot of them are based in a paranormal setting or things happening that can't really happen, you have a tendency to want to ground your work. So where some people might see something and go, I don't know about the acting or I don't know about the, the, about the, um, I, I don't know about the flow of the movie, it's because it's real. And that's something that actually for me I appreciate and it really speaks to me when I see these movies. Well, The Fields isn't supernatural. The Fields is real. The Fields is um, real, yes. And it's not a horror film. It's more of a thriller. 
So, um, yeah, that is definitely grounded in reality. There's nothing supernatural or paranormal about the fields at all. What, what you see in that film actually happens. Right. Um, but even with things like Six Degrees of Hell, or even Camp Dread, which Camp Dread has nothing supernatural about it, but we, we kept it grounded in, you know, the concept of reality television and people's vanity and what they'll do just to be on television, you know, this whole junk food culture that we have. Um, yeah. There was a, yeah, I always try to ground something in reality. And most of all, Chris, I, I really try very hard to, to shoot for a higher concept. I, I don't believe that just because you have a low-budget film that it has to suck, you know? And I, I don't believe that, um, you know, all horror just has to aim low. And, you know, we find that out even when we, when we release the trailer for Death House. You know, the reaction would be today at Friday the 13th or Halloween were released. Right. Um, it would be called Cheap. So, you know, uh, it, it's just amazing what, what people will do just to get a rise. And, you know, and my answer back to all these people is always the same, and that is, well, when you make your movie, you get back to me, you know? Right. <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. Money and putting all this in, and you just dismiss it as cheap. Well, you know what? Yeah, I am going to take that a little personally. And, you know, for the most part, it's like, ah, eh, you know, Again, that's why you're on YouTube and I'm making a movie. So <laughs> a big movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think it's a big movie. Yes, it's low budget. Yeah, we, we don't have the biggest budget in the world. But, you know, horror fans are supposed to understand some of that. I mean, did they attack Halloween? I mean, I can just picture if Halloween were released today. You know, oh, it's slow. Oh, it looks cheap. Uh, the acting is terrible. Right. You know? So, and you have to also take into consideration these online quote-unquote comments because that's what they are. They're not reviews. They're comments. And so when somebody online one time said, oh, I saw the field, that old lady, Cloris Leachman, she can't act. It's like, yeah, jackass, she only won an Oscar. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, says, you know, the record for any award. Uh, yeah, you're right. She can't act because you know, Bob from Ohio is not good in what isn't. That's right, man. This is one thing I love about you. When I hear you talk in interviews, another reason I want to talk to you, Harrison, was that you're very, very blunt and straightforward, and you can be, because you have, when I think of you, when I think of Harrison Smith and, and what you do, I think integrity. Like, you have so much integrity in what you do, and it matters. I have passion for what I do. But not everything has to be the Avengers these days, goddammit. Right. I mean? You know, we're still making low-budget stuff, and it doesn't have to be all looking polished and, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. this is the point of the genre. Like, horror fans have almost become, not all of them, but, you know, generally speaking, a lot of them have become, like, big spoiled babies. Well. You know, like, oh, it's not polished enough. It's not this. Well, you know what? Neither is Halloween. Neither is Friday the 13th. Neither are many of the films that they've grown to love. Last House on the Left is hardly a polished motion picture. Right. Okay? And the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one step above 16-millimeter grindhouse home filmmaking. Absolutely. You know, I watch these movies, and it's so funny. You are absolutely 100% correct. The, the term horror porn comes to mind. Um where, like, say, Saw 18, <laughs> it's just all blood and gore and guts, and it's really done well in CGI and looks real, but that's not a horror film, that's just it's gore. Film. It's just a gore fest. Um, and there's nothing smart about that. There's nothing really intelligent or anything you can take from that. It's a different, it's not the same thing. Um, I know when I was a child, uh, when I was younger, 
when we went to the video store to rent a video for a horror, let's get a horror movie tonight. We didn't look for the most popular horror movie that came out in the last two years. We looked for one we never heard of. Preferably... That's what Eli Roth said. Eli Roth always said, you know, oh, well, you know, horror fans, they, they want something different, and then when you give them something different, they go on the Internet and they trash it. Right. You know? And, <laughs> yep. and so, and he's 100% right now. Not all of them. Again, there, there are a number of them. Look, the, the reaction to our trailer was overwhelmingly positive. You always have, you know, what they call the trolls and whatever. But a lot of these people, you know, they just do it to get a reaction. You know, they, they do it because they want the filmmaker or the actor to post so they can go, oh, look, you know, so-and-so uh, commented on my comment. You know, like, that, that's where we're at. It's very middle school, and it's, it's very, you know, it's just, just very adolescent is really what it is. It um, is. You know, so for, for me, it's like, look, I have a clear conscience. We're making good stuff here. We're working our ass off. We're making high-quality products. And, you know, like you had some people going, oh, but it doesn't have any of them in their own characters. Well, that shows you how ignorant they are in the industry. Right. Okay? It took them how many years to make Freddy versus Jason? And they owned all the rights to everything. Yeah, there's a reason for that, yeah. Right. yeah. There's a reason. I mean, the money alone to, to, cop, to get copyrighted characters like Jason Voorhees or... Uh, Michael Myers, and second of all, even besides the financial limitations, I'll say it on your show, and I've said it on others. I think it's stupid. I think it's dumb, and I think and shame on horror fans that want that. You know, you want that? Go watch wrestling. You know? <laughs> we're not doing we're not doing battle royales here. That's stupid. The Ugh. worlds don't mesh. The world of Michael Myers doesn't mesh with the world of Pinhead or Candyman. It doesn't mesh. It doesn't work. And go watch Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Yeah, I've heard you say that. (laughs) And that's lazy. That's just lazy horror, and it's lazy filmmaking. And I don't care. Call me a snob. They can go, oh, you're you're a hater. No, you people are haters. You know, you hate everything unless it's stupid name-brand crap, and you need to go out and watch the same stupid remakes all over again, and they still make $20 million at the box office. Someone's watching them. Right. No, I'll tell you, I actually, I actually enjoyed Freddy vs. Jason, but I enjoyed it for a different reason than they intended. It kind of felt like a robot chicken version <laughs> of the horror movies, you know. It was kind of hilarious. It's, it's total junk food. It's total junk food entertainment. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with a Big Mac. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you get people thinking that this is the be-all to end all of, of the genre, Sid Haig just said it best. This weekend at the Days of the Dead convention, and he said that. He goes, you know, not all horror has to be blood and guts. He said, I did one just recently that's basically a PG-13 horror. And he said, it's fantastic. It's suspenseful. It's good. It's a slow burn. And I'm very proud of it. But you'll get people going, oh, it's not House of a Thousand Corpses. It's, it's not, <laughs> you know, any, any you know, Rob Zombie stuff. I mean, what's happening to Sid Hay? You know, like, they'll do that stuff. And it's like, I don't know where you people are coming from. Like, expect more of your entertainment. Don't don't always go for the low-hanging fruit and the lowest common denominator. Right. You know? No, I'm with you, man. That's what I'm doing here. I think what I'm trying to do, even though sometimes our budgets will not allow, so when somebody says, oh, it looks cheap, it doesn't look cheap, but yeah, you know what? It's, it's like, you know, at the same time, it's like, well, how about that it, it looks like an 80s film because that's the tone that we were going for. How about that this is, you know, it's called art. You know, it's called film. It's called understanding what you're talking about. 
Yeah, I think it would be better if more critics were skilled in in the arts, like had like training for writing and the to understand the it. You know, is, is you know WordPress and a computer don't make you a critic, right? Okay? Or watching a thousand movies doesn't make you you know an expert on the genre. You know, absolutely That's the issue that we have here. So you know, you get somebody who has their their blog and they go, oh, "Do we really need another review blog anymore?" Okay. I mean, how many freaking reviews can we have? There's a pattern um, on the um, – I'll use, like, Yahoo as an example. Sometimes it's on Rotten Tomatoes where you'll see um, any movie that comes out, you'll see the critic reviews are down in, like, the 40s and 30s. In the viewer reviews, the, the actual viewing audience that cares to see the movie and what they're being entertained by is given it, like, 70s and 90s. Yeah. You know, so there's something to be said and for you that. Know, sometimes that's okay. I mean – I don't know what's okay and what isn't. I know that I think the genre and I think filmmaking itself is in trouble because films are not meant to be product. Okay? When, when you make product, you get Jaws the Revenge. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, and that's, believe me, that movie has influenced me in many ways as to write a blog about cynicism in filmmaking that I call cinema, C-Y-N-E-M-A. And so for me... You know, I, I think, like, films were not meant to be seen on your iPhone. They're, they're not meant to be seen on a tiny, you know, four-by-seven screen. That's not what they're meant for. And when you start losing that specialness of what movies are, then it just becomes consumable product, and it is no different than a Big Mac. It's a lot of crap. Than any of these kind of, it's crap. And so when you expect crap, you get crap. Yep. And then when people are, are not forced to say, I mean, I'm telling you, if, if they release Halloween today, it would be assailed by the viewers. You could just see them on INDB. Oh, I hated it. It's boring. There's no blood. There's no boobs. There's no, you know, there's no, that's what I'm saying. Like, you need to understand that the history of the genre and appreciate yeah. it. Like, you know, some people commented, oh, you know, it's great to see all these old horror has been put together. It's like, wow. These people have provided great memories, you jackass. Yep. You know, has-beens, you're going to be a has-been one day when you're sitting eating jello in the, in the retirement home. I hope somebody calls you a freaking has-been. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Eli Roth earlier. He did Hostel, right? Yep. Hostel's a great example because I remember watching Hostel, and I thought to myself when it was over, not a lot of blood. Not, a lot, not, not as bad as I thought it would be, gory-wise. And then I realized it scared the shit out of me because... I could imagine this is probably happening. You know, this could happen. Sure. And it speaks to what you're saying to the reality of it. I mean, look at the crap that people do to each other. Of course it could happen, you know? And that's what's really scary about it all. Yeah, it's just a psychological side of it. I mean, if if you have a home security camera in your house and someone breaks in and kills you... And you watch it back on, someone watches it back on video, it's not going to have a high production value, but it's very real. So, I mean, it's kind of the feel you get in these movies when you bring it down and you're not using that high production and it looks why, like the nature why, why do we always need high production value? Is that what we've become? Did Wes Craven have the highest production value on A Nightmare on Elm Street? Not at all. You know? Did not at all. On uh, Last House on the Left? I mean, you know, with the original, I mean, the original Halloween was shot for a rate around $350,000. What, what production value did they have? I mean, they, they worked their hardest to make the best film that they could. Why is that a crime anymore? That's what I want to know. It, it, yeah, I mean, no, we, we, are, we are sheep in general, and we, we, what we do is we go to from 
expecting crap to demanding crap. And it, it, yeah. it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs. We need to wake up a little bit and take control of our own brains. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also, like you kind of said it there, it feels like this movie, from everything I know about it, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but everything I know about Death House, this is kind of, you know, people wanted it or people expected it to be a love letter to Jason, to Freddy, to Leatherface, but it's really a love letter to the horror genre, it seems like. It is. And it's what Gunnar Hansen wanted. Gunnar... Gunner wanted art, is what he wanted. He didn't want to just make a dumb horror movie. And, you know, again, shame on the fans for thinking, look, in The Expendables, does Sylvester Stallone play Rambo or Cobra? Does Bruce Willis play John McClane? Does Dolph Lundgren play Drago? Why the hell would you think that these people would turn around and do this? So when they, when they say, oh... They build it as Expendables horror, but it isn't Freddy versus Jason or anything like that. That's because you're a moron. <laughs> That's why. Expendables wasn't, wasn't the Terminator and, and Rambo. Right. <laughs> did Arnold Schwarzenegger come in and say, oh, I'll be back? He, he, he actually did, but... <laughs> he actually did say that, I think. But I don't know, one of the other guys did. He wasn't yeah. the Terminator. He wasn't the Terminator, right. Right. Uh, you, you gathered a... Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm just saying that... God damn it, expect more of your entertainment. Why does it always have to be the low-hanging fruit? Why does it have to be the bottom line? You know? The, uh, we didn't call it the Expendables of Horror. That's not what we called it. That's what the media called it, because they couldn't wrap their brains around the concept that, God forbid, we actually created something different. Uh, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm just mentioning a few names. I, I, don't, I don't have uh, the entire thing in my head. Um, but I'm going to mention some names that jump out at me that you gathered for this cast, like uh, Adrian Bardo, uh, Barbell, Kane Hodder, Tony Todd, Sid Haig, uh, D. Wallace, Barbara Crampton, uh, Michael Berriman, Bill Mosley, uh, a ton of people. <laughs> a ton of people with a history. Um, how did you gather these people together? Oh, you mean all those over-the-hill horror stars? Yeah, all those has-beens, right. Yeah, all those has-beens? Yeah. <laughs> From somebody who's never been anybody, they call it a has-been. Right, right. I love. So, um... I see these guys, and I light up that they're there. But but go ahead, absolutely. Gunner did that. They Gun- came Gunther together with Gunner. Okay. This project had been around since 2010. Gunner had a lot of these people lined up. They just wanted a better script, and Gunner knew that. That's why the script was brought to me by Entertainment Factory, Rick Finkelstein and Stephen Chase. And they brought it to me with Gunner, and Gunner wanted his, my help to, to help rewrite it. He liked the stuff that I had done, and we did that. I rewrote it. Gunner's gave, Gunner gave his blessing in the last week of his life to the script, yeah. and uh, we made a movie, you know, and those people came on board. Now, yeah, you have some people that are missing. That's mostly because of schedule conflict. So, you know, that's what can we say? You know, we have some, oh, why isn't Bruce Campbell in it? Oh, well, because he's only making a little thing called Ash versus the Evil Dead, and he's got a pretty steady good gig, and Bruce was very nice about the climbing. Let, let so me, I wanted to do this, but I'm tied up. Let me tell you, Evil Dead was very low budget. Ash versus Evil Dead. On, is it Stars? Uh, I think it's on Stars. It's modern day, it's yeah, yeah. very low budget, and everybody loves it because yeah. it's what it's supposed yeah, to be. Um, where are the online YouTubers going, oh, that looks cheap. Oh, right. that looks low budget. Wow, it's an awesome show. <laughs> it really is. And, and I expected that to suck, uh, honestly, but they did a good job with it, and they continue to do a, a great job with that show. 
Um, when you gather this cast together, do you have trouble? Like, like with Cora Leachman before, and uh, somebody Eric Roberts and such. Did, do you feel weird? Do you feel like I have no business telling uh, Barbara Crampton what to do? Does that give you have a hard time doing no. that? No, not at all. Because you know, there's there's an old expression: if you have to tell someone you're in charge, you're not. Interesting. I, treat, I don't treat my set like that. Ask anybody who works with me on the set. I treat it as a very open atmosphere. I'm very excited to hear input. I, I guess I'm what they call an actor's director because I love hearing what the actors bring to a role. So there was never any like, oh, I have to tell the great Barbara Crampton what to do. She invited input, and they were all such a class act. Working with all of these names was one of the easiest and most pleasant things I think I've ever had to do in my life. They were such nice people, every single one of them. You ever heard that expression, act like you've been there? They, they've been there. So oh, they've been there. Yeah, I it's mean. It's a pleasure to sit at lunch and listen to Sid Haig and him telling you about the industry and what it was like 30, 40 years ago. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I see uh, for these people to come together, they have a passion for this just like you do, and that, that gets me all the more excited for it because I can't see this going any other way. And, and if you watch the preview, I've watched the preview several times, the trailer uh, for Death House. Um, I still don't know exactly what it is, and I think that's by design. Hell yeah, it's by design. It's by design. Um, so you, why, why would we want to tell everybody what it is? I mean, that's what right. trailers do now. You ever see that three-minute-long trailer where you're like, well, I guess that saved me I've 10 bucks. I've seen the movie. See <laughs> seen the whole thing. Oh, and, and you know what's you funny? You don't have to be spoon-fed anymore. You have to tell them everything. You know, like, for I'm going to give you an example. While we were editing the film, excuse me one second there. Sure. While we were editing the film, uh, the editor himself, he was about, like, 25. And he said, you know what, Harrison? He said, I have a question for you. And I said, okay, yeah, shoot. He goes, well, Kane's character, Kane Hodder's character, like, you never really explain how he can regenerate. Like, he gets shot and his bullet hole, you know, steals up and... How can he do that? I said, well, number one, we do explain it, that he obviously was involved in Nazi occultism. That's one, because he's a neo-Nazi. When he was involved in this, and he's looking for the five evils. So he has some type of occult connection. Second of all, he said, are you a Friday the 13th fan? And he, goes, <laughs> he goes, yeah. Do you ever ask? I, love, I think he was the best Jason. I said, so did they ever stop and explain how Jason can keep coming back? I mean, he was dead in the first one. How did he come back, and how did he come back from this frail uh, kid to this hulking mat? Do they have, like, a weightlifting program? Do have <laughs> how do you grow up? Then, <laughs> then if I'm not mistaken, Corey Feldman basically lopped the guy's head off in part four, and yet somehow it's reattached in part six, and all they explain is, as well, lightning brings him back to life, so we've got a little Frankenstein action going on. Yeah, yeah. I said, so... He goes, wow, I never really thought of it that way. I said, so when Cain wears the mask, you don't need any explanation. But when Cain is out of a mask, you need an explanation. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's funny because they did eventually kind of explain Jason, and when he did, it was stupid. It was best not explained. Yeah, why explain it? Uh, Donald Pleasance did it best in, in Halloween, right? He's evil. That's it. We don't explain why Michael Myers keeps getting up. The mystery. I can't tell nobody explained in part four how he was clearly burned up at the end of part two, and his eyes both shot out. 
Yep. Um, somehow he returns, and God, he even found the same mask again, you know, like or, or a similar mask, you know. I really love the idea that we don't know why. Right. Why do we need to know? It's, it's, it's part of the fun of the movies. Um, well, that's what, it, and you know what? You just nailed it right there. A lot of these movies just aren't any fun anymore, Chris. They're not fun. Yeah. They take themselves way too seriously. Look, you don't need to go all stupid, like, you know, scary movie or something like that. But, you know, the old Friday the 13th were just good old-fashioned date night popcorn fun. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So why do we need all this now? It, it is Man, crazy. have no imagination. Look, I never once sat there and go, geez, I wonder what the scientific explanation is for, for Jason Voorhees' regeneration. Do I need that? Uh, I I never needed it. Uh, the question is, the shark you know. come to Amity? <laughs> do we need an explanation? I mean, in Jaws 4, we get that the shark is freaking psychic. But <laughs> and vengeful, on, yeah. <laughs> why does the shark come? Was, did it wake up that day pissed off? Did, did Brody give it a ticket? We don't know. <laughs> it's, it's not needed. It's not necessary. You're right. Um, well, why would you need so much logic and so much, you know, and you get it in sci-fi films too, sci-fi and horror and all this. Everybody wants an explanation for something, but you understand what you're getting into when you turn the movie on. All right, so that concludes part one. Next, we hit part two. We continue on this theme of, of explanation. We also get into uh, the story behind, or at least a, a rough idea of, of what Death House will be. And, uh, and a lot more, a lot more. It's a lot more of the same fun. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I did, and it gets even more fun. It continues to be fun next week with Harrison Smith right here on Come Get Some for now. That about sums it up. Have a good week, everybody. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come, Come get it. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.